Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. TEH Realty was founded in Israel in 2006, and it has since bought up low-income housing in Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, and Missouri, with holdings in both Kansas City and the St. Louis metro area. And in St. Louis, the situation in the 12 complexes it owns has gotten increasingly ugly in the past year. Journalist Ryan Kroll explained it pithily in last week's Riverfront Times cover story. He said TEH is the one entity in town that's managed to draw condemnation from both Republican Senator Josh Holly and local socialists. For tenants, it's been a living nightmare. Samuel Rogers is a longtime tenant at TEH's Blue Fountain apartment complex in the Baden neighborhood. Here's what he said about the state of his apartment. I kind of been there for about three or four years without heat in my apartment. So I have these space heaters to try to stay warm uh, in my apartment. Uh, my showers, my my shower not working right. Uh, I need a whole new toilet. They still ain't replaced that. Uh, my kitchen sink uh, is jacked up. I have to take a a bucket and get water from the tub to transfer the water from the tub into my kitchen sink to do my dishes. That's St. Louis resident Samuel Rogers describing some bad conditions at TEH's Blue Fountain Complex in North City. And journalist Ryan Kroll is here today in studio to talk to us about TEH and where things stand with its local holdings. His cover story for the Riverfront Times includes Samuel Rogers, and that story is called Bad Landlord. The big old cockroach on the cover might be the picture that's worth a thousand words. Ryan Kroll, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sarah. We're also joined today by Jesse Bogan. He's a reporter at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And Ryan's long-form story drew heavily on the reporting that Jesse has done over the past years. So, Jesse Bogan, welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Jesse, let's start with you. You've been on this issue for a long time now. When did TEH Realty first come to your attention as a landlord with some problems? 2018, uh, May 2018 specifically. And a real quick recap uh, the first place that, that it came up to our attention was out in Ferguson, the southeast corner of Ferguson, where we all know now is where Michael Brown was shot in 2014. And um, immediately after that incident happened, um, I spent a lot of time just reading minutes um, at the city of Ferguson just to figure out what's going on. And in those mid in minutes, as, as far back as 2010, there was a lot of calls. There were a whole lot of evictions going on in southeast Ferguson, which has a a lot of apartment complexes, enormous co apartment complexes. And so we were seeing that in the minutes where the city was trying to address crime as far back as 2010 and all these evictions. We need to do something about this, and we don't want to get this out in the public like this apartment complex way up in North St. Louis County. Um, and so they, Ferguson was trying to control what was going on in these apartment complexes leading up to the, the police shooting Michael Brown. And so um, to... They were meeting every month with apartment managers. Uh, the police were. They were trying to get them all in the same room to talk about bad tenants, um, to keep you know one person going from one apartment complex to the next. Um, so there's some enormous. When I say there are large apartment complexes, Canfield Green that we've all heard about now, um, I think that has a couple of hundred units or 300 units. But then Northwinds Crossing is right next to it. That's where Michael Brown's, Brown's grandmother was living at the time. That has 435 units right around there. And so we were paying attention to Northwinds, 
and another one across West Florissant called Park Ridge because they were refurbished with the help of taxpayers, about $42 million in low-income housing tax credits. And so all that to say, you know, after the Michael Brown shooting, we were paying attention to these properties and what's going to happen in that area. Um, I found out that TEH Realty bought North Winds and Park Ridge in May of 2018. So we naturally went say, hey, what happened to these places? Because because they were subsidized, they were supposed to do certain things to keep the conditions up. The occupancy was supposed to be so high. And uh, let me finish up with saying this. Uh, because they, were, they, they received low-income housing tax credits, the, the highest level they could get, um, everybody who lived in North Winds and Park Ridge needed to be poor, 60% of the poverty rate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my co- one of my colleagues, former colleagues at the Post-Dispatch, was able to figure out that this, is the, uh, this zip code has one of the highest um, rates of subsidized housing in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. And so we're paying attention to that in Ferguson. Uh, when TEH bought it, we did a story, an in-depth story about Park Ridge, and we tried to get answers um, from TEH Realty about what their hopes and dreams were for Park Ridge and North Winds, which together have about 750 units. And, and when did you start to realize this was a landlord who had a history of subpar conditions for the, the people living within it? Well, pretty quickly. And, um, you know, it wasn't like we just sent emails to them to respond. We went and found them and we were able to find one of their main uh, managers who, who's an out of town. He's not from here. And so but we were able to have a brief conversation in the street, you know, where I explained kind of like the conversation we just had. And like we'd like to kind of stay in touch to see what happens here. And he, he wasn't interested in talking a mm-hmm. um, couple months later. Three months later, we did another in-depth story about Springwood Apartments um, in Bell Ridge. And so that one really uh, blew me away. The conditions that right. that you witnessed there. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me just a little bit about what were some of the things that you saw or heard about that shocked you? Um, a lot. Mainly... Um, you walk in every with low-income housing. Every door, in my experience, every door you walk in is a different story, and it's off. Oftentimes, people just trying to make it. And at at, um, at Springwood Apartments, which is at the inter- back in the area of 170 and Natural Bridge, that's Bell Ridge. Mm-hmm. And um, back behind the Quick Trip, there's this big complex called Springwood, and it's had troubles over the years which I think Brian here on the panel has, has, has did a really good job looking at the history of. Um, but one of them I'm thinking of right now is, is walking into and, and you open up the door and, uh, you know, each room that I go into has more people in it and a lot of kids and uh, bad air quality from mold, mm. water running from the water heater that's going under the floor, some exposed wires, you know, pull out the couch, which look in the corner, you know, black, what appears to be black mold. I didn't do a black mold test. It was but bad. Yeah, but yeah. And so you find people who are drawn to the cheap rent, you know, $550, $600, 650 um, So they don't have a lot of places to go. Mm-hmm. Um, say they get behind on a, m- a month's rent or two, you know, how much leverage do they have to say, come fix this, or I'm going to go call the St. Louis Post-Dispatch or, or Ryan. 
Ryan, in terms of what you witnessed, you visited um, several TEH Realty complexes. What stands out to you? Yeah, so much. Um, I talked to one individual who lived at the uh, Blue Fountain Apartments in uh, Baden, uh, which is was owned by TEH at the time, and she said that you know, her door didn't lock. So every night she had to basically like move furniture. To barricade her door. Yeah, essentially barricade uh, her front door. Uh, There was a lot of, you know, I saw a lot of roaches, rats, mold, that kind of stuff. Um, Just super basic things like people who had um, holes in their ceilings, uh, windows that didn't lock, broken windows, uh, you know, the stuff that's way beyond just inconvenience, stuff that's really unsafe and doesn't make someone feel like uh, they can, you know, sleep easily at night because they're really um, uh, vulnerable to anyone who wants to get in. And also another big um, thing I heard people talk about, which kind of goes hand in hand, or I guess it compounds those problems, is that there was a big issue with squatting at these apartments. So people who would just spend the night there and then kind of be gone or were very itinerant in that way, um, that made people feel unsafe because you don't really know who's, you know, maybe sleeping above you and that kind of thing. Or one um, tenant I talked to, their plumbing didn't work. So they had to go use a bathroom in a different apartment. (sighs) And in order to get from their apartment to that place, they had to walk down a hall at night where people were squatting. Um, So really just making kind of what I think a lot of people take for granted, like turning that kind of stuff into real challenges. And as Jesse has reported on, um, over the years, a number of entities have tried to deal with this to get TEH to fix up the conditions. But as your recent cover story got into, it was really this November that everything came to a head. And it was actually Fannie Mae, of all parties, that made it happen. This is not something I would have anticipated. How did they even have a stake in what TEH Realty was up to? Sure. So this is a little bit outside my wheelhouse, but my understanding is that um, Whenever uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for for different properties, whenever they secured the loans for TEH to buy these properties, there was a clause in that contract that said, basically, if you, TEH, seem like you're doing such a bad job managing this property, then it's going to put our the money we loaned you in jeopardy and it's maybe going to jeopardize your ability to pay it back. Um, we can initiate this receivership clause, which basically allows Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac to take the property and hand it to another party who can hopefully do a better job managing that property and also a better job um, uh, being a better steward of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's you know, loan. Um, so in the case of uh, Springwood, it was put into receivership in October 2019 and was handed over to Triguild Realty, which is a San Diego-based company. Um, and then in December of last year, uh, the Southwest Crossings was control or uh, uh, custody of that property was handed over to the Sansone Group. Um, and that was basically like a, a clause that TEH had agreed to with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac whenever those entities secured the loan. Okay. So they were able to force um, new management of several of these buildings. We actually talked to Lisa Jones. She's one of the tenants who was featured in your Riverfront Times piece, Ryan Kroll. Um, she lives in that Southwest Crossing complex that's in Carondelet. And Lisa told us that since the Sansone Group took over, there have been some positive signs. And they've been trying really hard. They really, really have. They've been doing a really good job and everything. But, you know, things don't, you know, things that they didn't happen overnight, and they're not going to be fixed overnight. So there are so many things. They finally found the blockage here because we've had multiple plumbing problems where our 
bathtub was completely, and I don't want to grow out, completely filled up with feces and everything from the sink, and so was the toilet. And so you don't have anywhere to use the restroom kind of thing or take a shower. So as Lisa Jones says, there's been a huge buildup of problems in many of these complexes, her own bathtub just completely filled with feces at some point. Um, Jesse Bogan, what do you see as the best case scenario in terms of some of these companies that now have management due to Fannie Mae's actions? Can they turn this around? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I've been watching and, and for a year and a half now to see how TEH operates its properties and um, to try to gain understanding of what's going to happen. I, I wasn't aware of them before May of 2018, um, but since May of 2018 till this morning where I did a quick lap through some of the properties, um, it hasn't been turned around entirely. So I mean, what you saw this morning, you weren't seeing um, shiny new complexes here. Right. Um, so at one point, I think they had 12 you mentioned, and part of the reason why this is a confusing topic is that it's not just in the city. It's scattered across different municipalities. It's scattered across unincorporated North St. Louis County. Um, I think things really started to change whenever Southwest Crossing came into the news, which is in the city. Um, but, you know, how do you coordinate? What, what, how do you respond to a land opener like this who's dealing with all these different places? And... Um, I'm not trying to turn the discussion to that um, topic about all the different municipalities, but that's that's a that's a factor in this. It all goes back to that in the St. Louis area in so many stories. Right. So if um, you know what, how you find out that this is even going on, if you know who who knows exactly what's going on in every single municipality municipality every day, and so. Um, yeah, I, I would just chime in quickly. These guys were real prolific buyers of property. I mean, their holdings are everything from as far south as Crondelet, um, as far north as like Spanish Lake. I think they have stuff in Maryland Heights, too, or at least that general kind of area. Um, so, yeah, they are sort of, if you look at a map of the metro region, they have sort of properties scattered all over, which... Um, uh, is, is not good considering their, their track record. Ryan, what do you think was going on there? Why do you think they kept acquiring new properties rather than fixing the ones that had all these problems? I'll take that one because I asked uh, one of their main investors that specific question, and uh, his name's Eli Aram Ravine, and, and after we did some stories, uh, he finally agreed to sit down and talk and was able to ask that. Hey, and this is what tenants were asking too. And so you know, you're buying a lot of properties. They bought, TEH bought their first property in late December of 2014, which was the one in Bell Ridge. And then they quickly ramped up from there. Mm -hmm. And so, and we were doing stories. We were seeing some of the conditions that Ryan and I are both talking about. And so we asked them, you know, why are you buying so much? When Why not invest in, in the properties that you have? And, and he acted surprised to hear that there were problems at places like uh, Springwood Apartments. And it was very clear that there's there was issues there. And um, in his defense, I mean, the, that property historically has had had, uh, had issues. Mm -hmm. um, but um, TEH is very aggressive at uh, pursuing non-payment in, in the court system. Mm -hmm. And one thing I can say that I've seen across almost all of their apartment complexes haven't been to each one of them is that when the air conditioning breaks, 
they don't fix the expensive problem, they put in a window unit. They put slap up a piece of plywood. Um, you know, that's the way they do things. It's uh, even even their home office, uh, Bridgeport Crossing, which is in uh, Bridgeton, huge apartment complex, and uh, every just think the pool green, you know, uh, every, just falling apart. And even even their home office there, their site office, somebody threw a Molotov cocktail <sighs> through the window. Okay, boom, burns the office. Um, what does TEH do? Instead of fix their home office, they move across the hall to a different office, and then they operate out of that office. And I've been in that office, and the front door had been kicked in there. <sighs> and what you'll hear is is from the local management folks who are from here, you know, I think a lot of them want to make changes, but the way TEH is set up, each one as an LLC, um, each one is called, you know, SMTEH Realty Number One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, Ten, mm-hmm. and the number goes up um, at, at the other cities where where it operates. And so they complain that they aren't able to make fast fixes. Um, and so, but I can tell when I go into apartments, they just they're just not doing the ma- the maintenance. The ceilings falling in all over the place. Mm-hmm. Instead of fixing the roof, they're patching up the ceiling, and then when the feel the ceiling goes, it, it's awful. And so, so much to keep track of at all these different complexes across the land. And I still think North Winds is the mothership in my eyes because it's the big. It's, it comes back to Ferguson, the 430 some units, and there is a playground there that looks like abstract art. Okay, at best. And each time I go by and I'm rounding the corner, I look to see if they've fixed the slide. It's eight steps to the top, right? And this is an old school slide, you know, and then it's supposed to have metal to slide down. Mm -hmm. Well, the slide has been gone, but the steps are there. It's just like a a tower to nowhere. And maybe some kids think that's cool. I haven't interviewed any of them. But in my eyes, it's a sign. It's the TEH flag of how we're going to do things. And so today I went there to see if, if the stairs were there. And I brought it to their attention, to mm-hmm. various management. And, and on-site management often changes. Mm-hmm. And I brought it up. I was like, this, is, this playground's a, a block from your office. Yeah. What's up Why with not the, get this fixed? What's up with the slide? And, uh, you know, I, I think— And even today, it's not still it's, it fixed. It wasn't fixed this morning. And so I think that speaks to the level of challenges that they have to work with and the priorities they have with things to fix. And, and real quick— one tenant said the same thing that we've been hearing all along. You know, I've got complaints. I've got issues that need to be fixed. They came to look at it. You know, the sparks, whenever I put a plug in the, in the outlet, it sparks. The, the, the ceiling that looks like it's about ready to fall. They came and gave an uh, initial look and then didn't fix it. And this is under new management. Mm-hmm. But TEH is still one of the owners. And, and the woman said, pardon me, I don't mean to rush, but I need to go to work. She's got three kids. So. Yeah. Well, that's actually a perfect uh, perfect transition to our third guest here today. We're talking to Jesse Bogan of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and Ryan Kroll of the Riverfront Times about their work on TEH Realty, which has been a big story in the St. Louis area. And we're also joined today by Sunny Hutton. She's a community organizer passionate about holding landlords accountable and empowering tenants. And in that role, she helped to organize a tenant strike at Southwest Crossings, which is the TEH complex in Carondelet last month. So Sunny Hutton, welcome to the show. 
show. Thank you for having me. So tell us, this um, tenant strike, what um, what led your group to decide that's going to be the, the most effective way to get attention about these problems festering in the South City Complex? Uh, Sarah, I'm an organizer with Homes for All St. Louis, and we got started two years ago. Um, so we've been with Southwest Crossing for some time now. And it really wasn't a decision that the organizers made. One thing that we really truly believe in is letting the tenants lead. And I tell you what, you go into those apartment complexes and people have been through some things for far too long. And they are motivated and angry and frustrated. Um, So they're more radical than I am. (laughs) I will say that. Um, And once you go in and you're able to support them and also, you know, take what what we know and teaching them about tenant rights and the history of housing in St. Louis, then they'll come up with some ideas on their own. And so they knew they had every right to go on strike and withhold rent until conditions improve. Um, The tenant sent out a demand letter to TEH and its stakeholders and also um, published it in the media. And um, they're still holding strong on that strike. And so they have yet to cave. They have yet to cave. And they um, they they also requested to sit down with the new receiver, the Samsung Group, um, or also formerly known as SG Receiver. And they want them to meet those demands as well. And until then, they will not be paying rent. And Ryan, you reported on how this tenant strike was going. What's your sense of this? Do you think they've hit on a good strategy here? I think so, for sure. And I think the the proof you can look at um, is if you look at Springwood and Bell Ridge and the Southwest Crossings in, in Crondelet, uh, both properties have been put in receivership. Um, and at the Southwest Crossings, where there was this tend to organizing, this sort of bottom-up people power, uh, like Lisa Jones, she put it to me, um, they're putting a Band-Aid on a war wound. Um, but they are people, the Sandstone is trying to do something. If you go there, there's trucks, um, there's cleaning you know, services, that kind of thing. Um, and at the same time, whenever um, the uh, TEH stopped paying um, the, 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 the garbage fees for the Southwest Crossings, it stopped paying for electricity in the common areas, the city stepped in and started footing those bills. Um, and it's, it's hard to say for sure you know, uh, causality there, but you have to think that those improvements probably did have something to do with the organizing and the sort of the tenants uh, went rent strike and them kind of all being on the same page, especially when you compare that to Springwood and Bell Ridge, also put into receivership. Um, and just anecdotally, whenever you go there, you don't see any sort of movement happening, at least to the naked eye, as far as improvements. So in Southwest Crossings, you do have some, some something happening, at least. Up in North, you don't have anything happening. And the difference is one of those groups of tenants was organized, the other, they were not organized. Yeah, and I think for the tenants, they've they've settled for too long. And even with a new receiver, they do understand that at the that Samsung group is put into place to protect the investment of uh, Freddie Mac. Um, so with that being said, we know that there's a potential that this this property, like Southwest Crossing still has good bones and is right now market rate. So there is the potential that they could decide that, hey, we, in order to protect our investment, we want to improve the property and increase the rent. And, um, and the tenants know that. 
And so they want to make sure that they are protected as well when that transition happens. Here's the thing is putting something in receivership really doesn't give tenants a a Mm say-so. Like you really lose, can potentially lose your power as a tenant. But we're standing strong as a tenants association. And um, we've they've already went to the office as a group and asked for a meeting with the Samsung Group receiver. That demand has not been met. They're refusing to meet with tenants. But I think if you're here for the best interest of tenants, then you should be willing to meet with them. But at this moment, they're not because they're simply here to just protect an investment. Okay. So that situation continues over on the south side. Um, Jesse Bogan, what about the other complexes that TEH owns throughout the area? There's some of them that aren't yet in receivership. They're continuing to try to manage them. Are those situations reaching ahead or do you think they're going to be able to continue to, to keep doing what they're doing there? Um, good question. That's something I'd like to know as well. I think we've had somewhat of a mild winter. And so we talked about um, what happens when the air conditioning breaks and, and, and it's, it's no more thermostat living there. We're going with a window unit and some plywood on the window. It's when the heat breaks. Um, that's a whole nother issue. And uh, we did another round of stories in recent months on that where we're hearing from people, you know, heating their apartments with, uh, with the oven. You know, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's one and there's uh, a woman I'm thinking of right now who who called um, who's in this place called Pinnacle Ridge, which I'd never seen b- before. A big, long string of, of uh, a couple hundred or 300 apartments overlooking the Mississippi River um, by Chain of Rocks Bridge. And, um, you know, heat goes out, uses the oven, then the oven breaks. Um, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it really desperate situation and people don't have a lot of alternatives of places to go and, and nobody likes to move. And um, they think, uh, and, and when I went there, there was no management on site. And so some of the other complexes are the same where it's like, who's really in charge here? What's going on? What do I do to have anything fixed? And, um, and so, um, so there's that. There's TEH has stepped back in the sense that they're not managing the properties, but they're still owners. They're they're still investors in the properties, and that's interesting. I'm I'm curious to see how that plays out. Um, but um, today, doing a circle through some of the properties, uh, there's one called Crown Manor up on uh, Chambers Road um, between Moline Acres and Delwood. It's an unincorporated North St. Louis County, and that property is interesting to me because. Um, it, it, it illustrates one strategy that, strategy that has been used at all the properties, and that is when there's a big problem, get people out of those units and move them to another building hmm. and then try to seal off that building, make sure there aren't any animals getting into it, and that kind of keeps inspectors away. Meanwhile, like this morning, you drive by Chambers Road, that building's still there with boards around it. I mean, it's a dump. Yeah. And, uh, the and folks, that's not solving the long-term problem. It's not solving the long-term problem. And I asked one tenant there, I said, hey, if you could tell people one thing about TEH, what would you like to say that's accurate? And he said, they are slumlords. They want you to pay the money, but they're not willing to do the work to keep it up. And I've heard that over and over. 
Well, um, we hope to stay on this story. So Jesse Bogan, reporter at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. And Ryan Kroll of the Riverfront Times, thank you for being here. Uh, Thank you. And Ryan's story, Bad Landlord, is on this past week's cover. It's also still up on riverfronttimes.com. Sunny Hutton, community organizer with Homes for All St. Louis, thank you for being here. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.